M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. I've just been sitting there in the corner clutching my little anxiety blanket. This is Emsolation. I'm Michael, I'm from the suburbs, I can't play sport, and would anyone like to watch Aladdin on VHS? <laughs> Could I have birthed them? No? Feel free to perv. I mean, your genes are very strong. <laughs> very you. strong. I can't believe my genes aren't in there going, Scott, get out! You're in Emsolation. Am I putting a googie egg up my juts? <laughs> Hello? Welcome to your third Emsolation for the week. Yes, third. That's right. Look at us go. So many of you are enjoying my conversation with Constance Hall and why wouldn't you? What a wild ride. <laughs> she's so brave. She's so open and she shares things I would never share and I'm considered a chronic oversharer. But yeah, I hope you got something out of it. And if you haven't listened to it, you should, especially if you're someone who's judged her in the past because I'm guilty of that. And then I just kind of checked myself and was like, why are you so confronted by her? And I was confronted by her because I think I was envious of how carefree she was about sharing things. So I just think she's great. Uh, Also, a lot of you commenting on uh, my ethnic tomboy ep from Tuesday. (laughs) It raised a lot of high school trauma for some of you. And... You know, my realisation that I needed to stop trying to run with the popular kids and find my other others seemed to resonate with you guys. And it is funny how long we carry that kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, I was in the shower after three mulled wines and it did truly hit me just how much being called a smelly wog, wop, eye-tie, all the things that used to get thrown at me in primary school and high school did shape who I am. And I think, you know, you just get used to making jokes about it because that's kind of the Australian way, but it... It did cause me, I guess, as an adult now to want to advocate and stand up for people who are made to feel like something's wrong with them because they don't fit that stereotypical white Anglo mould. And I only put that together recently. (laughs) So you're always learning. I'm always learning shit about myself. You know, just when you think you've got some stuff figured out, something will rear up and you'll be like, oh, that's a bit bit stingy. It's a bit, oh, there's a bigger whole pocket in my personality I need to address. I guess, though, my otherness and my weirdness, my ability to look at things in unique ways, it's my superpower. I know that now. For so long, it was like, oh, no, you're difficult. You're too hard. You're too loud. You're too opinionated. You're too everything. I was like, oh, God, maybe everyone's right. And I don't know why I was listening to those people because now I'm so glad for my otherness. I've made a career out of being this person you're putting in your ears right now out of choice. (laughs) So if you have a kid who's struggling at school or being made to feel like they don't belong, remind them of that because the world needs us others. And that idea of not belonging, they just haven't found their people yet, guys, and tell them that they will. Now, I've been watching a show called Love Life on Stan. It's with Anna Kendrick and I finished it. I binged it. It was, it's bingeable. It's good. I mean, it's no th- three, six, five days, let me tell you. It's a little bit wonky at the start, but it does get very good. And it follows Anna's character, Darby, through the various relationships in her life on the path to finding her one, the person she's going to be with for all of time. That's not how marriage works, but anyway. The bulk of the episodes do focus on her romantic relationships and each ep's a different bloke. But for me, the show got really good when they focused on her non-romantic relationships. And if you're a single emsolator, if you're listening right now and you're single, I guess I want to remind you, and you probably already know this, that some of the greatest loves in your life are not romantic ones. 
And when the show started focusing on her other relationships with her best friend and her mother and her ex that she shares a child with, I sat up and I took notice and I was like, yes, this is so refreshing because I think even I've been kind of tricked into, you know, rom-coms and TV shows, magazines, all the things, society in general. Women are led to believe that the end goal, the ultimate thing in life, the way to get that tick that you're a success is to meet someone and get married. And look, we have moved away from that a little bit, but I think it still lurks deep down for some people. I know it certainly did for me. And not everyone though, because I know quite a few people who are perfectly happy on their own by choice, a power to you. But I guess if you're listening now and you're someone who is looking to meet their person and still haven't your great love, I wonder if you worry that you won't feel completed until you do. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to make assumptions about people, but that's just not true if you are thinking that. You are complete already. And this show's great because it explores that idea. And and I think that we need to do more of that. The more films and TV shows and, and content around non-romantic love stories. Because yes, I have Scott, I have a husband and I love him. But before him, I had other great loves. And so after watching this show, I reframed the way I look back on the relationships in my life. Because when you talk about your love life, you really only look back to the people that you were romantic with and that's how you judge your success in love. But I wonder what if you included the people that you didn't get naked with? You know, I had friends and family members and still do coaches that loved me and supported me and guided me. I had a dog named Rosie, a beautiful Jack Russell, who I just adored and she loved me back. I had a cat when I was a little girl named Annie, a black cat. Yes, of course, named after Annie the Musical. And I would cry to her as a kid when my heart was broken and I would tell her my good news. And they're great love stories. The man I'm about to bring in, Michael Lucas, one of my great loves. And it's a true love story, one that's endured almost 30 years, a decade apart, marriage breakups, mine, pregnancies, mine, Michael coming out and going back in and then coming out again. It took him a couple goes, but God, it was magnificent. We have to talk about that actually one time, remind me to get Michael to explain his coming out story. It's beautiful. And still our friendship endures, and I'm so proud of it. And when I was single during my separations with Scott, I never felt alone because of it. I know a lot of you have been on your own during COVID-19 lockdown and still we can't really socialise and I can imagine it's quite hard to meet people if you are single. So maybe, I don't know if this will help you and like this might be a bunch of bullshit, you know what I'm like, I sit down and I watch a TV show and I have epiphanies and I just spew them into a microphone and they may be helpful or not, maybe, I don't know. But perhaps you could nurture those relationships, the other great loves in your life right now. I mean, fuck, I'm not an expert. All right, that's enough amateur psychology from me. Before Michael joins us, though, I do want to remind you to get your tickets for this Friday night, 26th of June. I'm putting on a live show. You can't watch if you don't have a ticket. And can I just tell you all, if you do have a ticket, thank you, because I can't tell you how I'm getting emotional. God, am I going to do an app of this bloody podcast where I don't cry? This has made such a difference being able to put this show onto my confidence and my mental health. I'm I found a way to do my job, which is live performing and touring and not putting people's health at risk. And I know a lot of you are getting together and making a night of it, which is so good. 
And also, remember, if you can't watch it on the night, you can still buy a ticket and watch it for up to a month afterwards. That's so good. But do watch it live if you can because we're going to be, you know, interacting. You can ask questions. You can make requests. So mraciano.com for all the info and to reserve your spot. And, look, if it goes well, I think I'll put on another one. But, uh, again, thank you very much for coming on another weird experimental journey with me on this this live show that um, I hope it goes okay. I've put a lot of effort into it. I've hired a crew and I've, I've, it's all very professional. It's not Marcella filming me on my iPhone, I promise. <laughs> all right, time for Michael to join us. Today we're catching up on what Brittany's been doing. Oh, have you seen her latest post? Amazing. She thanks the LGBTQI community. God, I'll play it for you. I'll play it for you. It's so good. And also we're going to – Take a real deep dive into mine and Michael's obsess- obsession. Obsession. Oh, there was a bit of my original. That's how I talk when I get around my relatives. If you're Italian, do you know, do you turn it off and on? Because I got used to not talking like this in public. <laughs> when I get, when my dad and I get going, we talk like this. When I get around anyone, when I get around Tina Arena, I go around anyone who's Italian, I start to talk like this, my true self. Well, I should just do the podcast in my true self voice, shouldn't I? What was I saying? Oh, yeah, we deep dive into our obsession with musical theatre because this is our podcast and we talk about what we want when we want to. All right, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, well, as I've just mentioned, joining me, one of the great loves of my life, Lucas. Well, you haven't heard it yet because you don't hear my intros till they go live, but I just talked about uh, how important non-romantic love stories are because I spoke about Anna Kendrick's show, Love Life. Oh, yeah. You're, you're finished, aren't you? Yeah, I did it all. And I loved the end episodes where they focused on her non-romantic great oh, love well, stories. hashtag spoiler alert. Ah, <laughs> oh, shut up. It's not giving anything away. I don't tell people who she ends up with. For me, it's just purely about which man is she going to get married to. <laughs> I'm sorry. And they kind of gloss over that anyway, spoiler alert. Um, Nah, it's totally watchable. But, yes, you were listed as one of my great loves. Probably my most successful relationship, I'd say. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I mean. No, actually, we have a very successful relationship. I think so. I think it's endured the test of time. So much weight fluctuations, relationships, deaths, births, the whole thing. Coming out, going back in. I'm going to class your, I mean, I don't know whether it gets put under the same microscope, but your relationship with your children is, and while we say with Chella is very, that's a very successful relationship. Yes. My relationship with my eldest child is very successful and I'm very proud of it. Um, Odette and I are having a down phase, but it will swing back up again. And Elio is the great love of my life also, but it's different. It's different. I, I, they have to love me. They're like part of my DNA. Elio um, can't yet roll his eyes at you in the way that Chella does <laughs> so affectionately. You, you love how my Chella just gives it to me. I watch you. You gleefully look on when her and I go head-to-head on topics like I, rom-coms. Oh, I really love it. Yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes I question, am, am I her father? What's I happening there? I'm pretty, almost 100% sure no. No, if she didn't look so much like Scott, she really could be her offspring. Like 100%. She is, you and her are very similar and have very similar stances and pull me up on the exact same things at the exact same time. But she okay. is, she's more, even more sensible. Like I think I'm comparatively a sensible levelling influence on you, yeah. but she's even the next level beyond that, <laughs> beyond us both. I don't know how it happened. Oh, God. Odie's wild. It's okay. I've got one of each. It's fine. Odie just throws caution to the wind. She's great. You should see her. My God. She's a true wild child. No fear. <laughs> 
<laughs> She's got to give a speech. Like at, at the school, they have to give a speech. On, oh my god, it's it's just so serious, and it's almost like it's almost like they're addressing the nation. It, that's how important this speech is, and you can do it. It's got to be persuasive, and it's got to be on any topic, right? So. She, her friend is doing it on Christianity um, interfering with abortions. Oof. That's what her 13-year-old friend is doing. Mm. <laughs> and Odette is now t- uh, is thinking about doing what is a superior teen vampire romance TV show <laughs> and why <laughs> Vampire Diaries is more important than Twilight. Like, And then she was like, maybe I could do I Hate Onions. And, like, she's just – she's so <laughs> funny. She refuses – there's a lot of people doing it on, like, lockdown and COVID and the environment environment and seals and Odie's like maybe I'll do it about how much airs in chip packets I think that's really shit (laughs) (laughs) well you know not everything can be you know terribly detailed moral exploration sometimes we do need to compare our vampire franchises and mate I don't want to hear a 13 year old's opinion on the church versus uh, uh, the woman's right to choose about a reproduction I don't know that a 14 year old I mean maybe maybe they've got a fresh perspective I don't know (laughs) And I'm genuinely interested in what conclusion she comes to. <laughs> I'll let you know. Okay. I will let you know. Uh, look, we haven't checked in on our friend in a while. Um, obviously, the states are just, it is Trump. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did you see the tweet where he said the reason they have more coronavirus oh. is because they're doing more testing? That was, that was his speech. That was he was he said that live. He also tweeted it though. But oh, he also tweeted God. it. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's explained to him <laughs> how science works and just numbers in general. But is that what he genuinely thinks? Well, I don't. I think that he can't connect with anything other than his own press, and so the only thing that computes to him is bad Corona case numbers. And so he does not think death, illness. Pandemic. He thinks he thinks bad numbers that look bad for me. How do the numbers look better? Well, if they're lower, how are they lower if there's less testing? That's as far as he gets. That is more God. important to him. I genuinely think that's more important to him than whether or not there are people living or dying. And it's horrifying. It's crazy. Texas recorded nine thousand cases in two days. Yeah, I mean, we are basically in a city that's tearing its hair out because we're getting twenty cases. <laughs> I know, I know, and I love. And in America, they're just like, ah, oh, lockdown's over, can't be bothered anymore. And it's like, and there are so basically, there are people who wear masks. They're Democrats, and you can tell people's voting alliances if they're wearing a mask or not. That is the truth in America at the moment. And there was cinemas, cinemas that were opening up. Like one of them put a sign out the front that said, "We're not going to require wearing masks in the cinema because we don't want to be political." It's like, oh, oh my, it's political. Why are they treating coronavirus like it's running for president? It's not a presidential candidate, this virus. And I think everyone keeps treating it like, you know, you were going to beat it. We're going to take it on. No, mate, it's an airborne virus. It's highly contagious. It doesn't care. It doesn't, it's not a thing. It's not a sentient being. And I think Trump thinks he can take it on like it's Russia. Oh, yeah. Or just spin it out, spin it out of existence. Oh, just just turn up the Fox News and pretend it's not happening. But one of our favourite Americans who is honouring lockdown, she's not coming out, is Britney Spears. And sporadically throughout the podcast, we have been checking in on her. And she's done a flurry of posts in the last, I'd say, five days. There's been a lot of – she was very happy with a white top she had on a white crop top. Mm. And there was probably, I would say, up to 15 shots of her just, like, looking – 
up at the camera. She's taking on quite a Madonna stance on the terms of angles she's using now with the with the Instagram. Is it a chin thing? What's what is what is gained by prioritizing your forehead in that extreme know. way? Look, famously, Odette heard me say so many times, can you just tilt the camera up? She said that to the man taking her school photo in prep. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) I had to go there to be present for the sibling photos and I stood outside and Odie was having a single photo and I heard her say to the guy taking the photo, can you just um, hold the camera a bit higher? And I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. (laughs) So, for me, it's a chins issue. Like for me, it's if it just makes your face look a little bit elongated. But Britney and Madonna take it to a, a to a point where it looks like kind of a weird crane shot. Like I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, it, it just it's too extreme on the forehead. It's like a massive forehead and then little yeah. pinched features below. Yes, it's weird. But she, um, it's Pride Week or Pride Month, I think, in LA, and um, she made a special video wearing a black mesh crop top with a diamond choker underneath hand on hip and she made this video you'll hear it now for her lgbtqr fans to all my friends at the lgbtq community happy pride month you guys bring so much heart passion and articulate everything you do because of you i've had the best nights of my life i love you so much it hurts happy pride month baby be quiet (laughs) okay i mean there's a lot to unpack there well, on behalf of said community, I just want to thank Brittany. <laughs> Have you given her some of her best nights out? Uh, I can't say that that's true. I've certainly, I've certainly contributed to funding her nights <laughs> out, and it is true that I do articulate everything I do. What does I'm that mean? I'm not quite sure what that what means. What does she mean? Is she talking about, like, the way you speak or the way – what does she mean by the LGBTQI community articulate everything? What Do you give a running commentary? Does she hear a director's cut? I don't – I, it, could, it could be. I, I feel like what she's reaching for is there's so much purpose and commitment behind everything you do. Although I, I'm really reaching there to, to draw the meaning out of. Or maybe she just means you're, very, you're a very articulate community, <laughs> and I'm impressed that she that she can recognise and 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 applaud good articulation. Maybe she meant to say you've given me a career. Do you think yeah. maybe? Because I feel like. She has a very committed, strong gay following and I feel like that's what's still keeping her going now is oh. the, the love that the LGBTQI community have for her in her current career, which isn't, you know, prolific. Yeah, except yeah. Except for her yeah. videos where she's twirling with her eyeliner halfway down her face. So- oh, the gays are always the last to go. I mean, you in, in the past... <laughs> In the past 18 months, I have seen both Cher and Madonna in concert. And let's just say that their fan bases have really boiled down to just the gays. So that's where they end up. And the gays will not forsake you. No, I mean- I'm counting on that in my twilight years. Because, you know, I'll end up saying something horrendous when I'm old. And I will count on the gay community to stay by me steadfast. Oh, they're incredibly forgiving. Incredibly <laughs> forgiving. As long as you maintain loyalty to the community, they will mm. they will mm. really forgive a lot. I just I'm really concerned for her. I I just don't know. And I know we sit here and we laugh and but I really hope she's okay because she just looks wild. Yeah. She's just relentlessly joyful. And you know I have my reservations about the boyfriend. I'm concerned mother on that front. Mm. But I just and I just want to go up to her and just wipe my thumbnail under her eyes to get the mascara out. I mean 
Just that one thing. I look every time I post, like, have you not looked in a mirror? Come on, babes. Like any, any, every gay watching's like, babe, got panda eyes. Swap it off. Em goes to bed at night thinking, if I could change but one thing in this world, <laughs> Britney's mascara. <laughs> oh, I love her so. I do love her. I. I would see her in concert. I would 100%. If she came to Australia. Did you not go. go when she toured Australia? Did you go to the no. circus concert? <gasps> no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, I, I did not. It, I went and what? I. Oh, yeah, of course I, I did. It was, at, it was when I was living in Sydney. It was at Sydney Olympic Park. It was absolutely renowned for being one of the worst uh, personal performances given by yes. any pop star touring. She yes. mimed every single song. She barely completed any movements. I think she sang one. Um, one song on a swing at one point. But other than that, she was basically walking around like a zombie. The concert was still sort of quite elaborate. And uh, anyway, happening I... Happening around her, happening separate to her. Absolutely. And I <laughs> knew what I was in for and I had mm. snuck in just the right amount of whiskey. And um, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed yeah. it a lot. I remember coming out and seeing all these deflated faces and people thinking, what the hell did I just shell out money for? And I was going, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Good. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was basically how I was. We had an amazing sing-along all the way. We were stuck in the car park at Sydney Olympic Park for about four hours afterwards and we belted Brittany the entire time and it was a, it's a very happy memory. Oh, well, speaking of happy memories and belting songs, uh, you rang me from New York just breathlessly one time to tell me about a musical you'd seen. Nice segue, Em, I'm a professional. <laughs> what a musical uh, segue too. So you, appropriate. You, You'd seen Hamilton. Yes. The musical. And I, look, I was, had mixed feelings about that because so often you go and you see these musicals that I thought we would see together when, at one point in time. You cheat on me. You've cheated on me with so many musicals. I really, really have. Some really heavy hitters in the past. I mean, Hamilton, obviously, I, I, that stands out as one of the worst ones, but at least we can be confident that in one way or another we are going to share the experience of watching that. Well, that's um, going to be, and we're going to obviously drill down a bit more on this, but on, is it, oh God, July 3rd? Yes. Um, Disney Plus is airing the original cast performing Hamilton on stage and like to say my house is on a favourite countdown, it is insane. My husband is obsessed with Hamilton. My chip, my, well, my eldest child loves it. My youngest child by proxy loves Moana, which was the music was co-written by Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote the Hamilton music and stars as Hamilton. It's very exciting. But for you and I, musical theatre has punctuated so much of our life. What oh. was the first musical you remember watching? Uh, live musical or movie musical? Movie musical. Okay, well, I'm going to give three answers. I'm going to give you all three. First, okay. first movie musical that I watched, like, on television when I was a little kid was Wizard of Oz. Ah, you cursed rat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Melting! First right. one that I saw at the movies was Annie. Yeah. It's the hard knock life for us. Yeah. And then first one that I saw live was Cats. Which is also the last movie musical I've seen in real life in 2020. Oh, and then the world went to shit. Cats, <laughs> the movie is to blame for all that has gone wrong. And you, what were yours? Uh, first television musical, Sound of Music. What is it you can't face? Oh, like classic. that was my very first and I watched it I think with my nana and I was very little 
And I just, I mean, I phased in and out when all the Nazi stuff was happening and they were like, I, there's bits of that movie that I just don't even remember happening. I always feel like, you know, maybe they could have ended it at the wedding. Oh, but my, then- my mum, because she was keen to send me to bed, basically mm. lied to me. And once it got <laughs> to the somewhere in your youth or childhood, that bit, she's like, oh, it's just a long wedding bit now, like time to go to bed and put me to bed. And then like in years later, I got to like 13 and watched, I'm like, what the, what the hell? What, what are the Nazis? What are these Nazis? There's a whole other. There's a whole other hour and a half to this thing. I mean, good play, yeah. Joe Lucas, because I didn't suspect a thing. And it does feel like it's ending. It feels, you know, the Baroness has accepted her fate, and she's she's gone to, you know, what did, what did she say to her? She sort of says, "I think there's someone who is child there. I don't know." Oh, I can't. I can't even remember. There's so many. I'm just sorry. I'm just sidebarring off into a Joe Lucas like spiral. It's another parenting classic. Your mother is just the the one. Oh my god! I'm just monkey. It's fine. It's our podcast. We can do this. Joe Lucas. The my favorite story about your mum, not the asking you if you're pregnant, not the lying about sound of music, is how she explained sex to you and left out one crucial part. (laughs) I think it's. What, that, that, that men get erections? No, the, like the, the, yeah, the ejaculation orgasm part. Like yeah, the- I didn't understand any of that. And I, I, oh, well, actually, you've, I hear, get ready for another segue. The reason <laughs> I got sex educated was because of Greece. Because I was a little kid and I was watching Greece and I knew every lyric and they sang, did she put up a fight? And I, I, I went and said, mum, why would they, she be putting up a fight? And she said, well, Sandy would be putting up a fight about going to bed with Danny. Also, now that I'm saying it, a bit yeah. rapey, but anyway. Consent. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but we weren't, we're in the 80s. We weren't up to that conversation yet. <laughs> oh, but, um, and, then, and then I'm like, but why, you know, why would she, if they're just going to have a sleep, why is that a problem? <laughs> and then I got the full talk and she was sort of, yeah, she basically... Said, yeah, tell man, everyone what she told you. Well, yeah. I got the whole, you know, and the man puts his penis in the vagina, but mm. I, she didn't really give me the mechanical outlay. <laughs> so I just couldn't understand. Like I was imagining a flaccid penis that sort of somehow gets <laughs> pushed in. What, like stuffed in, like sausage, like sausage meat in a skin. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And then somehow, uh, like in my understanding, I remember thinking, well, then the body must just sort of know to sort of, I don't know, to, to, she did, there was the use of the word sperm. And I remember <laughs> at the time I was kind of across all of that because, and I think that might have been because of the movie Look Who's Talking. Oh, anyway. God, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I mean, anyone. I mean, anyone who was explained sex to by a boomer. I, my mum just put in the VHS of where do I come from? That's what well, I got. no, that's what mum. Eventually, like years passed, and my confusion reigned, and then finally, <laughs> I was sort of. And I remember I was saying this to her weirdly in Greensboro Plaza shopping centre. Was sort of talking about it and not quite connecting how it all happened, and she just mm. went straight and bought me. Where did I come from? So she in the end said, <laughs> "Let the book do it. Let the book do it. I've tried my best." All right. Well, but, um, Annie was the first movie I saw, the first <gasps> cinema movie. movie at the cinemas, yeah. Same. And my first live musical was Phantom of the Opera. The power of the music of the Oh, that was later. Oh, gee, I was broken in much, much earlier. Yeah, no, I um, didn't get to. That was my first experience. But was that with the school trip? Yes. Oh, well, that was college. the same one, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean, I saw John Farnham, obviously, when I was like 10, but. And that could be counted as a, as a musical. In my mind, it was him. Oh, it was an emotional narrative for you. <laughs> it really was. But I think 
our friendship, there's so much musical love and I just, and my kids have been, it's so important to me. But then on the flip side, Scott never watched one musical growing up. Like he didn't care for them, no sound. The first time he watched Sound of Music I think was when, when I made him watch it. Like there is a wow. whole breed of straight men. I just think that's neglect. That's parental (laughs) neglect. (laughs) That's what I said to him. I said, oh, my God, no Xanadu, no Grease, no even Grease 2, nothing. You never watched any of those? It's like, nah. The Wizard of Oz. Can you imagine? No, I just – well, I mean, uh, you know, there's possibly a happy medium. I watched so many that Mm. I remember as a child legitimately thinking that in America or just overseas in general, people did burst into song. I thought that the inability to burst into the song, which is also, you know, part of that is because there's no Australian musicals that I saw at the time. (laughs) I know. And so I just thought, I just thought here we don't do that. But in all other countries, people are not only bursting into song, but joining in fantastic choreographed dance routines. true god i just i love them so much and my dream role up until recently and i'm still probably not too old because stockard channing was 57 when she played rizzo (laughs) um was the role of rizzo in greece i identified with her so much i loved it oh your vocal tone so perfect Oh, I know. I never get to do it, sadly. And then I auditioned for Annie. Um, if, and if people have read my book, I vividly ex- explained that. And <laughs> the piano player had a stroke during my audition and I kept singing. I had to make a choice. And oh. <laughs> Good choice. I know, right? But, yes, we're both very oh, – and before we get to Hamilton, I want to really recommend Muriel's Wedding. We're talking about Australian musicals. Oh, if yeah. you haven't listened to that soundtrack, that is, for me, it was life-changing. I, oh. I put it in and just thought, fuck, this is good. Oh, so good. And and the fact that they had all those ABBA songs, which are such pop classics, and so they had to write new songs that mm. were going to stand out amongst the ABBA songs, and they did. It was incredible. I cried multiple I cried times. The fucking that amazing song. Did- oh, I love that song. That I big Sydney production that. number. Sydney. It's so good. And Kate Miller-Heike and her partner wrote the music. And that's the reason I asked her to do the Rage and Rainbow songs with me because I heard that soundtrack. I'm like, she's a genius. And she captures being Australian and she captures the nuance so perfectly. So I, if you're a fan of musicals and you have not listened to, to Muriel's Wedding soundtrack, please go and download it immediately. It's free. Click it on Spotify, whatever. But, oh, song after song. And it's so quintessentially Australian without being – you know, mm. like, I don't even know. What Try hard was, offer. Was yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's but so the good. Thing, I mean, that is an example of an excellent musical, but the thing for us is it doesn't matter whether the musical we see is good or bad. No, We're going to love no. it either way. And obviously full respect to everyone involved with this production, but we did go to see The Bodyguard, the musical. The Bodyguard. <laughs> and... <laughs> Beautiful vocal performances of beautiful renditions of Britney, of not Britney, Whitney, Whitney Whitney. Houston songs. Some, yeah, some fascinating dramatised moments and some staging, but we were so completely entertained the entire time on so many levels. Invite us to a musical. Doesn't matter if it's a bad one. We will love it regardless. I still defend Cats the movie, by the way. The new one. You were electrified. I was worried you weren't going to be able to sleep for some time after that. You, I mean, I remember you poured everything out. The next morning you're like, I've, I put down all my thoughts and there's this like stream of consciousness. I wrote a thousand words at 1am. There are still moments. Every once in a while I will stop and think, yeah, there was that bit where Rebel Wilson unzipped her cat fur, revealing that she had a whole other cat outfit underneath. Correct. 
And the fact that she ate her mates too. Like she had a oh, whole yeah. backing chorus of cockroaches or whatever they were. I, I mean, I focus a lot on the fact that Idris Alba Cat didn't have a cock and balls. That haunts me. Nightly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Taylor Swift had boobs. Hers oh, is the yeah. only cat that got boobs. Why? Like, and, and she had heels on too. And Dame Judy Dench, I mean, the second best performance behind Dame Judy Dench was Jason Derulo. That's a sentence I never thought I'd say out loud. <laughs> Jason Derulo was very convincing. <laughs> I'm not going to say the bar was particularly high. <laughs> I Look, if you can get access to some special jazz cigarettes and watch Cats, the movie, the, the movie, the musical, the most recent one, my God, what a night you're in for. Have you and gone back to it? Have you, have you rewatched it? Uh, no, but I'm gonna. I'm. I'm definitely. I'm. That is in the next few weeks. I'm planning on a cat's rewatch, and I'm gonna make Scott watch it and just film Scott watching it. <laughs> you need a decent slab of time because I think you have to factor in recovery afterwards. And I'm not entirely <laughs> sure that the second viewing isn't going to do a worse number on you than the first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but Hamilton. Yeah. So let's talk about it. July 3rd, we're doing it at my house. As long as you can guarantee internet connection beyond reproach. Mate, I've got the NBN. Okay, all right, but it's critical, all right? It's critical, yes. You don't have to worry. It's and we obviously, be... there can be no, it can't be when Elio's asleep because it needs to be pumped out. Why don't we do it at my parents' house on, like, their big um, movie screen? Like, why don't we just meet at Jenny and Vince's? Because I just think Elio will, we won't be able to have it as loud as we want because Elio will be asleep because you guys won't be able to come till the night time because you work during the day. Is it on the weekend? Is it on no. The oh. Isn't it during the day? Isn't it on I the feel Friday? like we need precise confirmation to the minute of when it oh, lands Disney so we can give, make Disney appropriate plans. I think we go to my parents because there's space for us to dance around in that lounge room too. Like there's space for us to get up and perform and there's going to be a few performances on the night. Oh. oh, but someone has to look after the baby. Shit. <laughs> All right, we're gonna have to, we have to workshop this because it has to be optimum. There has to be good red wine. I don't care what time of day it is. Food. Um, like the whole, we have to set the scene. I don't know. Are we theme dressing? Is that inappropriate? It's probably inappropriate. Well, Is it wrong? no, we can go as founding fathers if you like. Okay. Or we could go as, you know, British monarchy as well. Either one. I think British monarchy. I think I have, I think, I think my costume cupboard probably lends closer to Of course to you British would monarchy. choose the British monarchy. <laughs> Anyway. I love the British monarchy. I don't apologise for them. I mean, I do. They're horrible. But I still love them. <laughs> but should we? I mean, there are some people out there who don't. Hamilton, you, I mean, most people I think probably know. They might not be as word perfect as we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want to explain Hamilton to the people listening who don't know what we're talking about? It's the story of one of the American founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, is there for, through the War of Independence and then when they cast out the English and then built a nation. And it's told through a lot of musical styles, but a lot of modern oh. ones. There's lots of rap. There's rap yes. when, you're in, when, when you're in America and then when you go um, to Britain, they go for a bit of an mm-hmm. Elton John style Brit rock yeah. sound. Yeah. But it's yeah. so electrifying. I mean, they sort of say it's the story of America then told by America now. Because it's yep. all played by diverse performers. I think there's only one white person, one, one yeah, white King of true, England. Yeah, King of England. Which yeah. Rob Mills should play that role if it ever comes to Australia. I totally see him doing that. It is coming to Australia. Is it still coming? Yes, I he's confirmed. COVID's- oh, I'm across. <gasps> I, I'm. <laughs> can't you see Rob Mills doing that? Da, 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 da. Can't you see? Oh, totally. See- yeah, me too. I can. I can. But it also, it's so electrifying because it, you, when you think of the Founding Fathers and everything, it's all dusty history. And, and yeah. with especially from an Australian perspective, Hamilton's not one that we really know. Like we've heard of George Washington no. and, and yep. you know, but we, uh, for me, 
I really had no idea about who he was or what he did. And he was the secretary mm. of treasury and didn't mean anything to me. So I would recommend doing a little bit of a, if you're new to it, I'd do a yes. little bit of a read up because when we went yeah. and saw it on Broadway, I was across some of the details of the musical. Adrian was not. And so in interval, he was desperately like on Wikipedia Googling. trying to like, <laughs> yeah, because it's incredibly dense. It's incredibly dense, but, but so intricate and amazing. But the other thing to note is that, my husband, who's not a musical fan, as previously previously mentioned, loves it. And a lot of dudes say, a lot of dudes who aren't into musical theatre say, oh, I love Book of Mormon and I love Hamilton. You know, it's that kind of, it's got this really, not aggressive, but really masculine undertones to it. Like it's, you know, it's really driving and it and it's pushes. And I, and I think if this, if your partner is someone who's not only into musicals and you are, this is a good one to watch with, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And also it just, as a history lesson, what's incredible yeah. about it is it, it makes you feel how full on and wild and reckless and violent with yeah. this whole notion of, and how bizarre it was that they managed to cast out the British empire, which seems so unlikely. Mm. And then they had to, build a whole new nation, which we don't even think about, you know, it's very hard to put yourself in a frame of mind where you think, God, what would that have been like if you've lived under an empire and under a king forever to suddenly build this whole nation? Yeah. And, and it mm. makes you feel how exciting that was and, and how terrifying it was and all of those things. It really, it, it, it's, oh. it's an incredible piece of work. It's so good. Oh my God, we're so excited. Listen to us fapping. And if you didn't even, people are like, oh my God, they've done a whole thing in Hamilton. Not apologising. Don't care. Our podcast, we do what we want. So excited. And just reminding you, Michael and I do not have a deal with Disney, although it may seem that way. And of course, as always, we are open to a deal no, with Disney. Lynn Manuel Miranda has a deal with Disney. Thank he God. Does. Which yes. is like fan fiction for us. And also Hamilton is your gateway to him. Yes. And, and, and his expanded works. And I mean, I'm at the point where I obsessively follow him on Twitter and he writes little, he tucks you into bed at night. He really does. Like through this whole period, he's been writing like, here's a tweet. Good night. There is little peace and it is all heavy, but rest unclenches your jaw a little. Maybe enough for tomorrow. Rest. Oh. That's the kind of thing you get from Oh, my God. Mind. He's so full of heart. <laughs> Everything know. he does is dripping with the juices from the interior of his massive heart. Like, it is – you I just know. was worried oh. about where that sentence was going for one second, but then <laughs> you brought it back. <laughs> all right. We better go. We've been crapping on for half an hour already. Um, all right. Oh, thank you we? so much. Oh. Yeah. I mean, oh, look, we could have done four hours of musicals, let's be real, and we could have each performed <laughs> – I mean, we didn't even get to Little Mermaid. We didn't even get to the Disney musicals. That well, I just... feel like we've, de- we've touched them, but, but just so everyone knows, that we, we, our engagement with the genre goes beyond Disney. But then round back to Disney. It's just a never-ending circle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. This is Emsolation. Okay, well, that's it. You got to the end of another episode of Emsolation. I hope you enjoyed the musical theatre deep dive. I told you that was going to happen and I'm so glad it did. Can you imagine if I suggested in a radio meeting that I wanted to talk about musical theatre for half an hour and maybe do some sidebarring into how Michael and I found out about sex? This is why I love doing this project so much and I'm so grateful other people want to listen to it and I'll keep making it as long as you do. Now, each week, you guys know, I really want to highlight an organisation or a charity or people group of people who are helping our Indigenous population. And I want to draw your attention this week to the National Justice Project. And you can find them at justice.org.au. They are a not-for-profit legal service. And this is from their website. 
Uh, We apply our expertise to advancing human rights by representing and giving voice to the vulnerable who would otherwise be unable to find legal representation. So they provide free law advice and they provide free representation to people who need it the most. And some of the work they do has been incredible. They were involved in removing children, all the children who were being held in detention on Nauru. So please think about helping them out. Justice.org.au. Legal work covers medical care and detention, youth detention, racial discrimination in healthcare, Aboriginal child removal, government accountability, police accountability, and medical negligence. So Whatever you've got to spare, they're fantastic, very important service being provided by them, National Justice Project. All right, guys, I am well and truly done. This has been another long one, but just getting progressively longer. I hope to see some of you on Friday night, the 26th of June, for my Live in Your Lounge Room, all the information at mraciano.com. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. And if you're in Victoria and you have symptoms, get tested and stay home. Don't go visit Nana. Don't go visit your mates. Let's really work hard to bringing those numbers down in Victoria because the nation is watching us, okay? Don't go spreading rain around. Look after yourselves. Wash your hands. Sneeze into your elbow. I care a lot about all of you. I want you to be okay. And I'll uh, talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.